right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. that. We don't got time for that. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. Hey, we're going to be talking some KU hoops today. It's uh, the official start of the Big 12 tournament tonight with the Big 12 play-in games. We're basically not going to have a show tomorrow. The KU game's at 2 o'clock. Pre-game will be at 12.30 here on KLWN. So we're just going to preview the game today but we don't really know who they're playing so <laughs> we are going to preview, preview the big 12 tournament the game that we yeah. are not sure no uh we got some Jalen wilson grady dick kj adams audio jill dorsey hall is going to join us 340 we got our ku mailbag if you want to get any last second questions in at rcst 13 ask questions it'll be at uh four o'clock and then uh, also ku basketball has a big commit marcus adams a four-star commit top 30 recruit in the class of 2024 has picked KU. We'll discuss that coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. The University of Kansas Jayhawks are the Big 12 champions, and Homefield is celebrating with the all-new apparel for KU alumni and fans of all ages. Head to homefieldapparel.com or the Homefield Apparel app to purchase these limited-edition Kansas apparel offerings, including new T-shirts, ringers, crewnecks, hoodies, joggers, and more. They got some sweet gear up there. You can get like the uh, 1912 Jayhawk on a hoodie. You can get the Warhawk with a basketball next to it on a t-shirt or like a crew neck. It's all super comfy gear. I will say, um, pro tip, I always order a, a size up because sometimes, you know, it might shrink just a tad in the washer and it's better to just be comfy and be a size up than, than be tight. They do run a little bit tighter. So I, I'm normally an XL. I, I go up to a double XL for that and they, they fit very well. So I would... Uh, Certainly very much recommend uh, ordering the size up, but it's very comfy gear, very cool looking stuff, and get 15% off with code ROCKCHALK23. Uh, they they take the time to study and look at past logos of KU. They've got a cool like 1988 KU National Championship t-shirt on there. Uh, items are available for a limited time only. They sell out, so you want to get in on them fast with homefieldapparel.com or the Homefield Apparel app and use code ROCKCHALK23 for 15% off. So I was watching uh, some of the, the conference tournaments last night. Yeah. And a couple former Jayhawks were featured in conference championship games. For Cleveland State, they lost by a couple points to um, Northern Kentucky. But Tristan and Aruna, who former KU guy for a couple years, transferred to Iowa State last year, and then one of the Iowa State's assistant coaches took over Cleveland State, and Tristan and Aruna went with him. He almost helped them win a title or a conference title. 17 points, five rebounds last night. And if you look at his season stats, he ended up being all uh, Horizon League. He averaged 15.7 points per game, 6.6 rebounds per game, 51.6% from the field. Now, I'm not saying if, if Tristan and Aruna sticks around at Kansas that, you know, he's like he, he had already been beaten out by Jalen Wilson. Like, clearly, he's, he's probably not a starter on this team. No. But he's probably you the can't sixth tell man. me he doesn't help them with their bench. He's probably the sixth man. Yeah. Right. And now all of a sudden you have a guy who is all like that off their bench, who at that point would have been the program at this point for for four years. 
the bench problems are, are figured out. And then Isaac McBride, who was only at KU for like three months, like he committed to KU, he, he played like the offseason with him, and then he transferred like the beginning of the year. He ended up transferring to Oral Roberts. And this is his... They've been really good. Yeah, they've been really, really... I mean, so they destroyed North Dakota State last night, who obviously we saw play Kansas earlier in the season. Um, Oral Roberts is is going to the tournament after winning that game. They're going to be like a 12 or a 13 seed. Everybody is going to pick them because of the fact that Max Acemas is still there and because they made that run. But like, there's good reason to pick them. They're the 23rd best offense in the country. That is one better than KU offensively. Um, they have won 17 straight games. They are number one in not turning the ball over. They're eighth in two point rate, 35th in three point rate. Uh, they also have a seven foot four center. And they are 41st in the country in two-point defense. Zach and a Eadie? top 15 uh, team by block rate. No, it's uh, Connor Vanover. He's a transfer from Arkansas. So, like, they are a legitimately good team. And Isaac McBride is, like, this is his second straight year averaging, like, 12 points per game. Last year, he shot 44% from three. This year, he's shooting 41% from three. That'd be nice. Is he a starter? Yeah, he starts okay. with A. Smith in the backcourt. That'd be nice to have that scoring guard off your bench. And I'm not I'm not I'm not saying this to like put blame as like, oh, okay, you messed this up. No, no, that's not what I'm saying at all. Yeah. I'm just saying alternate universe. Imagine if KU had Isaac McBride and Tristan Anaruna still. The the bench problems are fixed. Well, you know, one of the things about a premier program like Kansas is you're gonna get guys yeah. that are really talented that are not able to get on the court because you have so many elite players, right? I mean, look at look at it. Last year's national championship team, like Tristan and Aruna would have been like, what, the ninth guy on that team, basically, 10th yeah. guy on that team. So, you know, and and, and for play, for the players' sake, you know, those are guys that want to be able to showcase their talent. So you're going to have this happen when you're a top program. You're going to have guys come in that are looking to showcase their talents and looking to, to get on the floor. And for whatever reason or another, they aren't able to with your program, but they go on to be successful in other places. And, and I, if anything, I think it speaks highly to the – the recruiting process of Kansas and that guys that have come into the program and then have left because, you know, maybe they, they were they didn't get enough playing time or whatever, they end up being successful. And that tells you that KU time and time again is recruiting players that are talented and are willing to put in the work to become successful. And you see that even with guys that even if it doesn't happen at Kansas, I still think it's a it's something that you can look back and say, wow, you know, this is a guy that that clearly had the skill set and the, and everything needed to be successful, and he's gone on to do it at at, at some place else. And I think for most Kansas fans, they're generally pretty happy for for guys that that came to Kansas and even if they were only here for a little bit about a time and they're able to go on and be successful at, at other programs. I think that's at least that's how I feel. I'm generally pretty happy about those guys. You know, I feel good for them. You know, it's once a Jayhawk, always a Jayhawk, right? So even yeah. if you're only in the program for Three months, couple years, and you go on to be successful somewhere else. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna root for you. Yeah, I agree with that. I just, I, I think it's, you know, crazy if you, if you just add it up. Like bench problems are fixed. They'd have a scoring guard and, and another wing. <laughs> Boom, they're good to go. Uh, here's some interesting news as we head to the Big Twelve tournament. Bill Self said at the like open practice or whatever it is that that they do in Kansas City today. Kevin McCuller is dealing with back spasms and is hopeful he can play tomorrow. He was limited in practice today. Now, something to note, because this is obviously, I mean, Travis Kelsey went through back spasms the week of the conference championship game. If you yep. remember, he ended up being more than just okay and, and ended up playing. I think that might have been made up. I don't know, though. You think so? Just to try to mess with <laughs> the Bengals. Well, one thing about back spasms is that it's not like a... They kind of just flare up randomly. Yes, they, right? they flare exactly, and so yeah. it can be. It's it's a horrible day, but then even, it can be gone. Even uh, you know, MJ Rice obviously earlier in the season was had a about with that where there would be times where he would be fine the day before, but then on game days he wasn't quite able to go or, or vice versa or whatever. Right. So 
yeah, it's just one of those things where it's, it, I mean, you, you do what you can, but it's just kind of, you just have to see what happens, basically. Yes. So, we'll see if it affects him for tomorrow. I, I would say in, in a game like this that, yes, it'd be nice if you win and you would like to get the number one overall seed or, or kind of wrap it up. And, yes, you'd like to start playing better than, than maybe you did last game. Uh, still, if it's, like, even questionable at all, like, probably sit him. That said, we know Kevin is a very tough guy. We know Bill Self loves toughness, so I, I expect him to play fully. Do you agree? I would expect him to play, yes. And I mean, maybe if they get up 15 with 10 minutes left, they'll be like, all right, let's let him sit down. You know? Well, it kind of goes back to the discussions we've had back and forth of, like, if a guy plays 25 minutes versus 32 yeah. minutes, Is it that big what's of a difference? the difference? No, probably not. <laughs> See, I expect... Uh, pretty good play but i guess it just depends like if the back spasms get worse yeah, then, but if, then maybe if he literally can't play then he just can't right. play right you know and that would be uh certainly i i almost think like matchup wise it would be a bigger loss if you didn't have kevin for the west virginia game because they have eric stevenson on the wing who's a, a shooter for them yeah. whereas with texas tech like jalen tyson's a good shooter on the wing but he's more of like a spot-up shooter it's not about like what he can do like off the dribble and stuff so that would be specific now that'll be the quarterfinal matchup as i said we won't have a show tomorrow to talk about this but uh Okay, you could be playing West Virginia. They could be playing Texas Tech. Let, let's yeah. let's start with this question: Who would you rather play? I think you'd rather play Texas Tech. I think West Virginia is is probably a a little bit scarier uh, in terms of their scoring and whatnot. And again, we, we've we've highlighted it numerous times of how all the metrics love West Virginia. They're, they're a top twenty team, and by Ken Palm and, and other various metric sites. So. On paper, they look like the scarier team. I think they probably are the scarier team, realistically, for Kansas. Uh, and for Texas Tech, like their season is kind of over unless they win the Big 12 tournament, basically, after they lost to Oklahoma State. So, I mean, how how much do they still have to play for, right? I mean, uh, and I guess that goes back to will they even beat West Virginia, you know? So, I think West Virginia is probably the team that's more scary, I guess, for Kansas than, than Texas Tech because they can do a little bit more and and maybe cause a little bit more havoc, but but also Texas Tech, has, you know, gave Kansas some some troubles as well. So what I'm more interested in, and I'm curious what you think of this. Does it matter at all, or is it a positive or a negative the fact that both West Virginia and Texas Tech, Kansas has played within the last week and a half, two weeks? Um, honestly. I, I almost I kind of think it's a positive because you have such a good head coach in Bill Self that if it's fresh in his mind, it's fresh in the team's mind, what you did and didn't do well. And I also think there is an element of both the Tech game and the West Virginia game that maybe it was a little closer than you'd expect because you were playing a little more tight with the Big 12 title on the line, and, and this one maybe you should I mean, be a little more Big open. Big 12 title's on the line here. It, it is, but it's not one that they, they care about as much. And Bill Self has even voiced that in past years that like this doesn't matter as much as, as winning like the regular season. Uh, obviously they're they're also to the same point in time like very much hey if we're playing in it let's try to win but like here's a perfect example last year they played TCU twice in the final week of the regular season the first one they lost by 10 the second one they won in a close game a week later they played TCU in the Big 12 semifinals they beat them by like 30 <laughs> that was the game Ochai had that incredible dunk off the lob I think it's probably a a better thing, to be honest. I mean, just think about it this way. Which team has more talent? Kansas. Kansas. Yeah. So if you're playing which against team, which a team, team you're the, getting more familiar with each other. Which team has the better coach? 
Kansas. Kansas. <laughs> right. So if you're playing the same team uh, over and over again, over the long haul, like the team with more talent, because if you have scouting reports that do a good job cutting things off, then it's just going to come down to, well, which players can can do more? Which coach can, can come up with more in those moments? And you're going to go with Kansas there. Um, I, I think this boils down to two things for me. If you would rather have the quote-unquote easier matchup, I would almost lean Texas Tech. Like, I know yeah. both matchups yeah. were close, but the first matchup in Lubbock, they shot lights out. The second matchup in Allen Fieldhouse, you, you missed every kinda, open shot. Yeah, you were just kind of bad. I think if you play them again, there's a good chance you could just beat them by like 8 to 12 points. Um, I think if you're viewing it from a standpoint, though, of what's beneficial in the long term, it's playing West Virginia. A, it'd be beneficial for the Big 12 if West Virginia beat Texas Tech. B, it's a quad one win. West Virginia is a quad one win. Texas Tech is not. Yeah. At least as of now, Texas is like, just outside dude, the top okay, 50. But. Here's the deal, though. Yeah, Kansas already has a billion quad one wins. I know, I, but so like, what's, what's, you want to add as many as possible if you want to get the number one overall seed, right? Well, how, how many? How many do you need? You already got the most ever. Ever. Literally ever. No, it's like Adam Driver in Star Wars. More. Like, how, how many more? More. More. Just keep going, what's man. That, what, how, I mean... At some point, there should just be a number where it's like, if you get to that number, you're just automatically the one. Yeah, they they win the game. They just like uh, a big thing comes on the uh, screen. Just congratulations! Yeah, comes down. It's like when you win the like, one seat. a video game. It's like you did it. <laughs> you're a one seat. Uh, so I I think that just kind of depends. Now, if you play West Virginia, I I think the biggest key there is you have to do a good job limiting their outside shooters with Kedrian Johnson back now, Eric Stevenson. On the wing and everything. If if Kevin McCuller is limited, that That could be a concern, like you mentioned. Yeah. And then the other thing with West Virginia is they're such a good offensive rebounding team, you have to be able to win on the boards. But if you can win on the boards, you'll be okay because you get out in transition. With Tech, the biggest thing is, I mean, can you get more offensive rebounds than last time? That'd be nice because they haven't (laughs) been like a great defensive rebounding team. But it's it's kind of the same thing. Like, can you stick with their shooters? Pop Isaacs and Davion Harmon and Kevin O'Banner kind of on the outside. Uh, more so for me, the O'Banner's, game is tech is I, just can you just no, play better. I'm not going to let you use the term shooter and Kevin O'Banner in the same sentence. I mean, over the course After of the After how badly ball, he airballed those threes in that game against Kansas, no. He was really He's good not a shooter. against Kansas the first time. Not a shooter. But, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I think that just kind of depends which, which way you'd – you would go. I would. I would probably say it'd be more beneficial if you play West Virginia, to be honest. But yeah, again, I it would be more beneficial. Is, but Tech uh, is probably easier the uh, the easier matchup. Yeah. Moving around ahead, if they get there, would you rather play Baylor or Iowa State? Okay, this is actually a very interesting question, and I think it might seem a little counterintuitive, but I I think you'd rather play Iowa State, right? I I, I don't know because like Baylor is the type of team that. Like, to me, the Big 12 tournament is sort of tailor-made for a team like Baylor, where they can just get really, really hot for multiple games in a row and just go nuts and just win because they can score a billion points, mm-hmm. right? So, But on the flip side, their defense is so bad that if they have a game where they're cold, they're going to get knocked out probably right away. So, <laughs> I don't know. I guess it's it's tough. But when you look at Iowa State, they lost Caleb Grill, but then they just beat Baylor by 15. So, if you look at it from that aspect, you would say, well, then you must rather play Baylor then. I mean, Iowa State right. just beat Baylor by 15. They look, they're look they playing a little bit better right now. So, But I, I think you'd probably rather see Iowa State. I don't know. I think I agree with you. I mean, 
Because if, if you view it just as, well, the worst loss that you had among the four was Iowa State, and the closest win you had among the four was it, Iowa State. It seems counterintuitive. Right. But, but I, I think it's just the, the standpoint of, like, the game you played in Ames was, that was KU's yeah, F you performance, You didn't even right? hardly play. You so if you're going to play an F performance, it doesn't matter which one you play. You're just going to lose. <laughs> so more so view it as, well, if KU gives you a C, B, or an A performance, what are they going to do? And same for Iowa State. Plus, yeah, like, without Caleb Grill. Um so, yeah, I think it is Iowa State. Baylor just – it scares you playing those guards anytime, yeah, yeah. even though you feel like – I think from a neutral perspective, you're probably rooting for it KU-Baylor because it would just be a more fun game, more open and, probably, and more like yeah. offense and everything. Yeah. Uh, but either way, either one would be like a quad one win. So, yeah, I think you would uh, prefer Iowa State. The, the one thing, though, that's interesting with Iowa State is that um, – They'd have good fan attendance. Now, KU yeah. will have good fan attendance, too. Yeah. If you play Iowa State, we've seen it happen before, and it's basically like a 50-50 split. It's like a bowl game. It's actually kind of cool. With Baylor, you're going to have like all of this. Which, by yeah. the way, did you see what Scott Drew said? I, I'm guessing he said something stupid. He, uh, he said yesterday that he's hoping that Jerome Tang tells the Kansas State fans to root for Baylor. Okay. <laughs> Why? Because he's like, well, Jerome Tang was here, like that's you literally know, so stupid. And they're gonna have a lot more fans than we will there. Have no. them stick around and root for us. That's not gonna happen. That's stupid. That's not gonna happen. That is literally so. It dumb. is so stupid. There's zero oh, chance of that. Man. That's like, do you remember the story wow. of uh, when, um, <laughs> when Scott Drew went into the, went to the locker room? The locker room. Wrote, yeah. Like, Go Jayhawks. No, I I don't remember the exact story of why. Like I, I he went in there to congratulate them. He on, did. He did. But I, winning. They, they must have both been in the same like region or whatever. And he went in there and he was like, "Hey, like, good job," and went in whatever else. <laughs> and then Sfee was like, "Who was that?" It's <laughs> <laughs> the best thing ever. Best thing ever. But yeah, I, I, I think yeah, I, I'm I, shocked, I, I I'm shocked that Scott Drew would say something stupid. Mm -hmm. I'm surprised by that. Okay, uh, let's just uh, let's put it this way. Uh, let's do this first for the West Virginia Tech game. KU okay. wins if what? Against West Virginia Tech? Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Mention this after the after their last game against Texas, where even though they lost and they got pretty much outplayed, like they were pretty good in things that normally when they had lost earlier in the season. That was the reason why they lost. Turnovers and offensive rebounding. So I think I'll just say if, if you still do pretty well in those two areas and you regress, or I guess whatever the opposite of regress is, back to like playing better, you'll probably have a good chance to win. So turnovers and offensive rebounds. Yeah, I, I would echo that as well. I'll uh, also add on there that um, if Grady Dick figures it out. Yeah, for an entire game. Yeah, at yeah. Least. You know, we, I mean, against Texas, he was better in the second half, but too little too late, obviously, in that game. But yeah, you'd like to see him put put it together for 40 minutes. Yep. What about for Baylor, Iowa State? KU wins if what? Um, well, against Baylor, I guess I would say KU wins if they don't switch all five, which they haven't, they stopped doing that, <laughs> which was beneficial for them. Uh, that was a big reason why they had so much success in the second half. And if they don't get torched by Keontae George again, like they did in the first half against Baylor. Against Iowa State, mm, I think they've got to find a way to defend the paint against Iowa State because you go back to the game against Allen Fieldhouse, Iowa State missed a lot of layups, easy layups. 
And then uh, in Ames, they were able to just do whatever they wanted because KU wasn't even in the KU wasn't even playing the same sport they were playing that day. So defend the paint. I would say uh, for me, match their energy. Uh, the game in Ames, you had no energy. Yeah. Um, yeah. The first half against Baylor, maybe you didn't do a good en- enough job matching their energy. That would be kind of the one to me. Outside of that, it's make like dif- life difficult on, in the case of Iowa State, Gabe Kalsher. And in the case of Baylor, I guess like Adam Flagler, LJ Cryer. Um, but George was the one that went off against him. He was, but he went off in the first half. Like his going off in the first half felt more fluky. And yeah. I think that's why he you did saw hit some insane like thirty five. Right. Shots. And I think that's why you saw them put Dewan on on Flagler and Kevin on Cryer. You know? Yeah. I, I think that might be why. Uh so anyway, we'll, we'll recap whatever happens in tomorrow's game on uh Friday's show as uh, Nick will be out in, in Wichita, so I might be doing it solo. I guess it just depends what happens there for the uh, state tournament. Anyway, uh, we got some Jalen Wilson audio. We're going to share that with you next. Jill Dorsey Hall is going to join us in 15 minutes. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Derek Johnson with Nick Springer on another day here on KLWN. Tomorrow, not really going to have a show because the KU men's game at 2 o'clock and then there will be post game afterwards. But a little bit after the men's game, you can listen to the KU women's game here on KLWN. Pre-game starts at 7.15, tip-off at 7.30 for the Jayhawks in the play-in game against the TCU Horn Frogs. Uh, we're joined now by Jill Dorsey-Hall, who has done handfuls of, of their games over the past few seasons uh, for the women's team. And right now it feels like they're, they're starting to hit a good stride. Three straight wins for KU headed into the postseason, including that critical win over a top 25 Iowa State team just about a week ago on uh, senior night. Uh, Jill, what are, what are some of the reasons or maybe the biggest reasons why Kansas has started to kind of figure things out here? Yeah, Zakiya Franklin, the senior, has been exceptional. She has gotten them a bucket when she needed to. She was awarded first team All Big 12, and rightfully so, alongside with Tana Jackson, who's been sensational all season long, averaging 15 points, 12 rebounds, and three blocks. I think she's the first player to do that since I know her hoop stats has, has taken those stats. So those two together, I think, are a really nice combination. And then a lot has to be said for the play of Chandler Prater. You know, they've been playing without Iwana Hatsalanti for quite a while now, for over a month. And Chandler Prater has just been the energy player for Kansas. She's got a high motor. Holly Kurzgeter, if you really look at her minutes, they've been limited. They haven't had to rely upon her. And then why that Mayberry? I mean, they're all sort of hitting their stride, but their backs were against the wall. You look at their conference standing at six and nine, and they needed to pick up wins, and they have all the momentum. And there has to be a lot to be said for, you know, when you're gaining the momentum, and they're definitely hitting their stride right at the right time. Talking with Jill Dorsey Hall here on RCST. Uh, what's Because uh, to this point, it, it's been – I don't know. Injuries have certainly uh, marred this season for for KU, but going into the year, there were a lot of expectations. You you bring back a majority Mm -hmm. of your players from a year ago. You add Wyvette Mayberry. Tyana Jackson takes a step forward, and yet they're in kind of a similar place they were last year uh, and maybe even a little more on the bubble this year than last year. Uh, What's been the biggest reason why this team maybe hasn't had a a stronger season than, than some might have expected before the year started? Yeah, I think just their inability to close some of those those games earlier in conference, and that changes the whole trajectory of 
of the outcome, right? I mean, they're they're seventh in the Big 12 standings at the end of the regular season, but you look at that grouping there, they were just two games back but from Iowa State, who finished third in conference. So there wasn't a lot of separation there in between that middle pack that I think all all seven of those teams could be tournament teams and receive a lot of you know, at-large bids. But the the issue was their inability to to beat Baylor at home when they had the lead. Their inability to beat Texas at home. You know, you get a couple of those victories. Also, too, on the road at West Virginia, they had a chance there on the road at Baylor. So they they just weren't able to finish the deal there. But you know, you go back and look at the a, a game on the road at Manhattan, and they got beat pretty badly against Kansas State. And I was thinking, oh, man, the wheels are coming off. They're reeling. But they gathered themselves. They got the troops back together. And they were able to finish the season on a very, very high note. So now the trajectory of the season looks you know, brighter than it had been a couple weeks ago. But if they were able to finish the, the games a couple you know, earlier in conference play, I think that they would be sitting, they could be sitting, you know, third or fourth, and that wouldn't have surprised me. They have all the pieces. They were injury, you know, laden a little bit with, with Holly going out and then Iwana being not available for, for much of the bulk of the Big 12 season. But they have the momentum right now, and they're heading into the tournament on a high note with a lot of confidence. Zakiah Franklin and Tiana Jackson both earned all Big 12 first team honors. Uh, so I, I just kind of wanted to talk about both players. I know you talked about Zakaya and her kind of getting things rolling here with that 31-point effort against Iowa State. Uh, what has, has made her such a good player? Because it feels like to me whenever we talk about Kansas women's basketball, like the first name that gets popped up is Tyana Jackson. You look at the, the points and rebound numbers, and then uh, mm-hmm. Holly Kurskeeter might get brought up, who, who was a first-team All-Big 12 player last year. But I, I feel like she's one of the most underrated players in the conference. What do you see about her game that makes her so good? No doubt. Her handles, I love watching her crossover. It is special. She's got a spin move. She can finish left or right. She's actually she's a lefty, but her ability to use the glass and a kiss off the glass is unbelievable. There's times where you're thinking, oh, man, she's going through three players, weaving through traffic. There's no way she's going to finish that, and she does, and she's tough as nails. She has the last couple of games, I think, went the distance in minutes. I mean, she doesn't come off the floor. Also, too, her ability with why that Mayberry coming in and her ability to play the two guard and not have to have the ball in her hands every single minute to bring up the ball down the court, push tempo, has helped a lot. So I, I don't know if that's been talked about enough, just her moving over to the two guard. She does play point when, you know, why that comes out from time to time. But I think that has definitely propelled her this season. And so why that maybe was huge, her transferring in, allowing for Zakai to do that. And she has this demeanor about her as so calm, cool, and collected. She doesn't get too high. She doesn't get too low. She's just so consistent. And I think maybe that's why she doesn't get all the praise. But night in and night out, it's Zakai Franklin for Kansas that has been being able to, to provide points, been able to finish. Her, she can just go get her the ball, do some, get just a little isolation, and she can go get you a bucket. Uh, meanwhile, for Tiana Jackson, making the All-Big 12 first team, she was also on the All-Big 12 defensive team. What have you seen from her about why her game's been so improved? Because she's added so much from where she was last year. 
I think she knows that she's more of an offensive threat this year. In the offseason, she spent a lot of time focusing on that and her ability to finish, and and she has taken a lot of pride. I think just her confidence has grown exponentially. I mean, it's compounded from last year, and she knows that she's one of the best centers in the country, and she has she plays with that type of attitude. I mean, it is a she is a rim protector. She is a true center at six six. She's so athletic, and you don't usually see that with that type of frame. She's fast twitch. She can move laterally extremely well. She works across the lane really well to finish and she's taking a lot of pride in it. And you can show and you can see that confidence growing. And then you're seeing her on a lot of projections for WNBA. I know certainly Kansas hoping she comes back along with Zakaya and Holly. They can all come back next year. It'll be interesting to see. I know that's you don't need to talk about that now. There's a lot of basketball ahead of them, but she's certainly climbing up those boards and getting a lot of national attention, and rightfully so. This will be the uh, third matchup with TCU for KU, including just playing in the regular season finale out in Fort Worth. And Kansas won by a hefty margin in both games. Um, then if they win that, they'd be taking on Oklahoma, who was their Big 12 quarterfinal matchup last season, too. Uh, what sticks out to you about the immediate path here uh, in the Big 12 tournament and those possible matchups for KU. Yeah, you have to feel good about playing TCU. They've able to handle them the last, you know, every every matchup this season, the last two or in this uh, conference, the last two matchups with them, and they had a big second half on the road to finish conference play. You know, it may be not ideal to play the same team right after it because it was always hard to beat a good team three times in a row. I don't care who it is, right? And they they definitely were hot in that then that third period, especially. And then Chandler Prater had a career afternoon in, in that matchup. But I, I like the pass for Kansas. You know, just a couple of weekends ago, they had Oklahoma on the ropes at home. It is unknown if Maddie Williams, who I know was injured against Oklahoma State to finish their conference, if she's going to be available. So I think you, you take note of that if Maddie Williams is able to play. First things first, got to beat TCU, but I like that matchup. I think that Kansas can and definitely get through TCU, and then you have Oklahoma where you, you know they've lost both of those matchups, but they had the chance at home, and then if Maddie Williams plays, that changes what how Oklahoma looks. Now, Oklahoma can score the basketball. That is for sure, but you know that, that'll be interesting to see. I think any, anybody can win the Big 12 tournament. You saw that through the beginning of conference play, through the end. It came down to the very last game. There was a shared title between Texas and Oklahoma, and then there was a huge bunch there in the middle. I mean, you look at Baylor, they're the only team that has five top 25 victories. And so they're a contender. Iowa State, I think, looks different without Soares. You know, she got injured in January, but they're, they have the Big 12 Player of the Year in Ashley Jones. And Oklahoma State, I think, is the story of the conference this year, but they've lost three in a row. West Virginia's won, you know, a couple games in a row, too. So it'll be interesting to see. I think that you know, you watch the Big 12 tournament because I think it's up for grabs this year, more so than the years past. Do you think this is a clear-cut NCAA tournament team, or, or what do you see them needing to do this week to secure that? Yeah, they get, need to beat TCU. I think that would go down as a bad loss. So if they beat TCU, they're definitely what they what they're able to do to end the season, winning three in a row. I think they're a lock. You know, right for a while they were hovering around that eight nine, then they dropped down to that ten eleven seed. But I, I every projection that I've seen has them in the NCAA tournament. You got to take you got to take care of it though. You know, tomorrow night and beat TCU, and then I think you're a sure lock because a bat, a loss against Oklahoma is not a bad loss. I definitely think that they're in at that point. We're talking with Jill Dorsey Hall here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. 
given that this team might be kind of getting going again and, and because they had NCAA tournament experience last year, would you say they're more dangerous in the NCAA tournament this year or because of maybe you know some of those injuries with, with like Hotsi Leonti, for instance, are, are they about the same to where they were a season ago? Oh, I think they're more of a threat. I mean, they have an experience. Whenever you can go get NCAA tournament experience and you can go through that and, and you know, have that extra week together and you, you know what a first-round, you know, game looks like and you win, they won last year, right? And then they just ran into a juggernaut in Stanford, which is was difficult. I actually think it's better for them not to be on the 8-9 seed. I actually wouldn't mind if they were on the 10-10 line because then you don't have to play the number one seed because you look at the, the difference in women's basketball. The number one seeds are like another tier, you know, and then you look at the two, three seeds, and you're like, okay, I feel pretty, pretty, pretty good about that. So I actually don't think, unless they were able to host and be a, a high, much higher seed, which they're not going to do, I actually don't think it's the worst thing if they are on that line, of, you know, the 10 seed, because then that just changes. You don't have to play the number one seed in that second round. Well, I mean, we say guard play wins in March, and, and certainly they have that with uh, Zakaya Franklin. Uh, with Holly. Uh, she had the unbelievable season last year, all Big 12 first team. She was still good enough this year to, uh, I think, come up on the honorable mention list. But uh, it seems like the shooting wasn't as consistent this year. She dealt with injuries throughout the season, so that could be part of it. Uh, but is she the type of player that you could see kind of getting hot and maybe taking over in, in a game or two in the NCAA tournament? No doubt. I mean, Holly Kurzgeter is lights out from beyond the arc. I mean, she has range. She has a quick release. She is a pure shooter, but she does everything else, too. I mean, not enough has been said about her defense and her high basketball IQ. She is really, really fun to watch. And I, you know, I know it was unfortunate for her to get injury, but she has the skill. She has the talent to turn it on and have a a lights out game, a huge game for Kansas. And so her getting a little bit of rest, I don't think was the worst thing. Now, you know, I think she was dealing with concussion protocol, which you don't want to rush that. So I like how they managed her minutes and, you know, waited on her to make sure that she felt okay. And for everything that I see, it, it look, indicates that she's going to be able to be available. And it, certainly she played more minutes at TCU, so that's good. But she is one that can definitely light it up. And so you have her with her scoring ability and her shooting ability. And then why that's driving ability at that point guard to push tempo. You got Tina Jackson underneath. Chandler Prater is playing her best basketball, I think, of her career in the last couple of games. You know, and then Zakiya Franklin, who has just been a bucket. I mean, he's went and got them. You know, the, the problem, though, is the depth. They don't have a lot of depth. depth. However, there's been some, some good minutes until I be doing some good things, the freshmen coming in and providing some minutes. So you look at that as Sana Strom as well. She could provide some minutes, but they don't have, they, you know, they don't run very, very deep, but that, that's okay. I mean, their, their starters are, are really solid. They just can't get out, of, can't get into foul trouble. Is there a, a type of matchup that you think would, would maybe most benefit Kansas to play against in the NCAA tournament? You know, I don't necessarily know about a type of, of matchup. Or maybe I mean, one that, that has maybe given them the most issues this year, I guess, on the other side. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the Big 12 is a juggernaut, right? I mean, from top to bottom, I think, 
you know, you look at those teams, it's been really challenging. You know, I think it's interesting. One of the key matches I go back to is a team like Arizona, right? It was highly ranked, and Kansas went on the road and beat them by significant margin earlier in the season. That was a huge resume builder for them, right? That was one that they have under, uh, you know, a top 25 victory on the road. And so I think it'll be great if, you know, once Kansas can get out of the Big 12, they played the SEC team in Texas A&M. I know they struggled a little bit because they had injuries. But I... You know, you definitely don't want to run into a South Carolina with the amount of height and size that they have. Because you go to Tana Jackson is, is great with 6'6", but then after that, you have Chandler Prater with her size, not necessarily a lot of height there. And so I think if, if Kansas can avoid a team that has like two true bigs, I think that works probably in their favor a little bit more. She is Jill Dorsey Hall. You can uh, hear her on a multitude of the broadcasts over the course of the uh, regular season with KU women's basketball team. Uh, volleyball, I guess, is going to be coming up in, in several months from now. Uh, I don't know. We're, we're like six months out. Do you have any read, any idea on uh, excitement for the KU volleyball season in uh, 2023? Oh, yeah. I was actually just talking to Billy Ebel yesterday because they just got another transfer in from Texas Tech, Regan Cooper, who they're excited about a grad transfer. You know, the transfer portal and that extra year, COVID year, changed everything. So they got a middle from TCU into the program and another player, a 10 player from Texas Tech. So interesting enough, right? Two conference players mm-hmm. coming into Kansas. So look on the, you know, look for that on the horizon for, for the volleyball team. They're stacked on the pin. I think they're looking for who's going to replace their two middles from a season ago. But excitement certainly for that program. They made it back to the state tournament. They, they won their first round, lost in the second round. But I think big things ahead. They've got a lot of key players back. And then I will probably be on the some softball bra- uh, broadcast awesome. as well upcoming. So maybe we can circle back and talk about softball. Absolutely. We'll do. Well, Jill, I appreciate the time as always. And uh, yeah, look forward to talking to you next time. Awesome. Thanks. That was Jill Dorsey Hall joining us. She does a lot of the color commentary with uh, all the ESPN plus broadcast with KU Volleyball. You heard her there saying uh, KU Softball, KU Women's Basketball. Uh, great job on the broadcasts uh, with Jill, and always enjoy having her on here on RCST. One hour down, two to go. We got Nick's favorite segment, KU, Ma- KU Mailbag, if I can speak correctly, is next. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Looking for the perfect destination for your next social or corporate gathering? Venue 1235 has you covered, located right off I-70 and five minutes from downtown Lawrence. Venue 1235 is a large climate-controlled event space with a catering kitchen, private suite, and a covered patio. Check out some of their upcoming events or book one for yourself. That time of the week, well, actually, not normally that time of the week. Normally, we yeah, do this no, on literally, yeah, yeah, that's literally not true. Yeah, very wow. Lie detector test me. <laughs> misleading the listeners. Wow. Uh, but since we don't really have a show tomorrow, we're like, you know, yeah. let's just do our KO mailbag on Wednesday. Yeah. What are you going to do? Sue me? Please I'm don't not. Sue me. No, because it's my favorite okay, segment. Good. I want to do it. Uh, so anyway, KU mailbag. First up, Kyle, if Giannis, I would assume Giannis Antetokounmpo. Do you know is there any other Giannis? Do you, do you know any other Giannis? I do not. <laughs> if Giannis... What if, the, what if the question was, if Joe was on an... <laughs> what happens if I search Giannis on Google? Is Giannis Antetokounmpo the only person that pops up? I would think so, yeah. Yeah, it is. There's got to be another person named Giannis, <laughs> I'm right? sure there is in the world, yeah. Famous people named Giannis. This is great radio. As we start off our... Uh, anyway, let me just ask the question. Okay, yeah. If Giannis question. played on any college basketball team... Do they win the title? I think the answer's got to be yes, right? 
By the way, this site, playback.fm, most famous people named Giannis. Number one is Giannis Scarimpus. Who? So there you go. That's all you need to know. I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know. I think the answer has to be yes, right? The answer should be yes. It should be yes. I but, mean, I'm trying to think. I mean, unless you put him on like Louisville or some team that has like three wins, four wins. Or like IUPUI. He's probably not winning the national title with IUPUI. I guess that's the question. If you put him on the worst team, maybe. I I, I know that's not actually what but if you, the I think, asked, okay. But. Let's just let's just narrow the scope. You a have bit. To, it says any if college basketball put him, team. So we well, have to say the worst We're team. just gonna narrow it a little bit here though. If you put him on a tournament team, mm-hmm. would they win? Uh, yes, I yes, think. yes. Tournament team for sure. Any tournament for sure. team they would 100%. win. One hundred percent. Yes. They went on a tournament team. Now if it's on the worst team. What's he averaging? Giannis? Yeah. Like what would he average in yes. college? You're saying, but like in the tournament, he, he comes back. Let's say the Milwaukee Bucks are like, "Hey, Giannis is on the market for the NCAA tournament <laughs> for six games. You can buy Giannis to play for your team in the NCAA tournament." Um, What's he doing in the NCAA tournament? Okay, He's so like thirty points a game, thirty-five points a game. Well, the thing there is a limit to it. I know it's easy to be like, "Well, he put up fifty points per game." Nobody would stop him, so maybe it would be. But like, also, the college game is shorter, and yeah. you, the other team would probably bleed the clock out, so there'd be a limited <laughs> number of possessions. But yeah, he'd be averaging 35, 40, 45 points per game on insane efficiency. He'd be getting twenty rebounds a game. He'd be the the best player on both ends of the floor by far. Here's the one thing. Here's the one caveat I have. Okay. I think this more applies if you put him on one of the worst teams. Because if you put him on a, a team that's already in the tournament, it's for sure to me. But if you put him on one of the worst teams in the country, what happens if the other team just triple teams him and the rest of the team is that bad? Now, even the worst team, though, but, in but D1 the, college okay, basketball counter, is going to hit open shots if, if two guys are wide open. Counterpoint to that, though, is mm-hmm. what are they going to do on the defense? What are they going to do against on offense against Giannis? They'll just... Whoever, it's like when you're playing against Prime Darrell Rivas. You don't throw that way. Whoever's on him, okay, you well, avoid. He can cover the whole floor in yeah. like two steps. No, that's true. I, um, yeah, but okay, here's the. Here's How the are main, they going to score? Here's the main problem. Here's the main problem. Giannis. Like, I almost think that the offensive end is not your biggest concern. No, here's my if, biggest concern. If you're the concern. worst team, it's the other end. How that, are you going to score? Fine. My biggest concern deals with foul trouble. Okay. In the NBA, you get six fouls. Yeah. In college, you get five. That's one and less. Yep. Good math there. Quick math. If you watch NBA games, Giannis basically flips the coin of charge block a lot, right? And and oh, and there's nothing college exactly. Refs love more. And so in the nothing. NBA, they're going to give him the benefit of the doubt. He still averages three point three fouls per game. But there are a lot of games where you watch where Giannis gets his fourth, gets his fifth foul. And in college, they are going to call those charges more often than they are blocks. Because, because in college, nothing what they like college refs exactly. love more exactly. than putting their arm behind their head. So here's my problem. Over a six-game sample size, if Giannis is on the worst team... He'd probably foul out. He One of the games, at least. He's going to foul yeah. out. Maybe yeah. multiple because, again, they're going to be so charge-happy. And at the very least, he's going to have moments where he's in foul trouble and can't stay on the court. And then the part where they're the worst team is really going to show up and they're screwed. <laughs> so I actually kind of think the answer to this, in theory, if he doesn't foul out, is yes. But he's probably going to foul out because of how much college officials love the charge. He might. Yeah, that's true. I mean, think about that's the true. Kansas game against West Virginia. They had, what, seven offensive yeah, there was, fouls? there was a billion charges, yeah. 
Giannis goes there, into there a charge every play. Billion charges. There was nine hundred thousand million. Giannis charges. might foul out at halftime. Okay, this one from Jayhawk for life. Would you rather? Scenario one: play an easy sixteen seed and a tough eight or nine seed in the second round, or scenario two: play one of the toughest sixteen seeds of all time and an easy eight or nine seed. Okay, this is so easy. Obviously, you'd rather play one of the toughest 16 seeds of all time in an easy 8-9 seed. Because let me rewind the clock for you here, Derek. Let's take a trip down memory lane. 2018. Kansas is a 1 seed. They get Pennsylvania as the 16 seed. Mm. And for the entire week leading up to that game. Oh, Penn's the toughest 16 seed of all time. Oh, Penn's the greatest 16 seed of all time. Oh, Penn's going to beat Kansas. They're the best 16 yeah. seed ever. Kansas won by 16 points. Easy. Yes. You take the toughest 16 seed. Because it's already happened for Kansas. No, but wouldn't the toughest 16 seed now be like UMBC? So it'd be better than them. Better than that UMBC team. I bet if you look at the stats, Which the Penn team is better. still be able to beat them. Well, here, okay, here's the thing. If you take the... the I, I don't know what it is. Oh, I'm Seth Davis. I'm going to pick Penn to beat Kansas. If, if you view... Like Ken Palm, for instance. I don't know what the, the highest ranked 16 seed of all time was. I think it's Penn. But I, it might be. It might be. But I, like, there's no way it's even a top 60 team overall on Ken Palm. No. So no. that means it's, it's uh, at, at best, like, even if it's the, the very greatest 16 seed of all time, it's not going to be even better than Texas Tech. So you definitely take that one. But here is the one part of this that I think does make you think a little that I think you skipped over. If, if you lose in the second round, it's a lot less embarrassing than if you lose to the 16. So even though you feel like you're going to beat the 16 no matter what, there has to be a part of you that's like, yeah, but this is a bit of a risk. Because if we are playing the toughest 16 and lose, we're going to be a joke forever. Like that, that'll be joked about forever. Like Virginia won the title the next year, but people still joke about them losing to UMBC. And that would suck. Yes. Okay, this one's from Frank. Hold on. I just wanted to... Wait. Oh, here we go. All right, you want to know what Penn in 2016 was? Yeah. Or 2018 was in Ken Palm? They were 125. Okay. That's probably the highest 16 seed ever, I would think. UMBC might have crossed that after they won, but I bet going into the tournament, they were probably below that. Okay, Frank. I'm in a March Madness Fantasy League 16 guys snake draft. You want first pick and 32nd pick or 16th and 17th or somewhere in between. So basically... How so I envision this. players from all the different teams. Yeah, so they, they, here's the rules. He said, we take eight players and get their total cumulative points for the tourney. No points for playing games. Sick invite, by the way. I'd love to join this. Thanks, man. <laughs> no, uh, I, I've actually, I've been a part of the, one of these when I was a bit younger, and then uh, I haven't done one in a little bit. But they're a lot of fun because you have to factor in guys who are going to score a lot of points with you want guys that are going to go far in the tournament. And then you have to factor in like, well, uh, Jimmer Fredette might only play three tournament games, but if he gets 30 a game, like that's 90 points. I could take somebody who's on a national title team, but if he only scores 12 points per game, that's only 72 points. Like uh, there's some fun math and, and different strategy you can go into it. So based on the way this sounds, it sounds like to me, this is one of those drafts where you get to submit the pick that you most want. And yeah. then they do like a lottery system. And then it basically goes down in order and, and, you figure out what what pick you want. Um, so I think in certain years, in certain years where there is like a very obvious like high level scorer on a national title team on like a one seed, you probably want a higher end pick. 
But because this year is A, wide open, and B, I don't know that there's that like 25-point-per-game guard that you're expecting to make the Elite Eight or further, I think you maybe want a further pick. Now, there is the Zach Eady question. Zach Eady is obviously going to be a high pick in this. Purdue is going to be expected to go pretty far in the tournament. But also, like, think I, I view Purdue as a team that could get upset in the second round or the Sweet yes. 16. Definitely, yes. And so even though Edie is going to give you a 20-25 a game, what if it's only <laughs> two games? Uh, yeah. So because it's so wide open and this year is a little bit more of a crapshoot, I think I would take the lower pick where you have the quick snake. But I would, yeah. I would try to map out, if you could, like the players you really want and figure out, like, okay, I have eight players in Tier 1 or something like that. And then pick pick number eight. Because I don't know if I'd pick pick 16, but I, I think I'd be fine. Like, pick one. Yeah, because I you're think... You're probably taking Edie. I, I, I don't know Is Edie number one overall? Probably. I, I don't know who the next pick would be. Like, what about Jalen Wilson? Where does Jalen Wilson Jalen Wilson would be up there. Marcus Sasser would be up there for Houston. Um, for Alabama, like Brandon the, Miller would be up there. What but about again, the guy from, Mar, from Marquette? Uh, the the, the guard. Yeah, Tyler Kolick. Like, yeah. He could be up there, sure. I, but I guess this is my point. There's enough good players around college basketball, and there's not the one overly dominant guy. And because the tournament's so open that you could convince me Alabama makes a Final Four or loses in the second round. You could convince me Houston, Houston's kind of the one that I feel like is most foolproof to get through to at least the Sweet 16. But you could convince me they lose in the Sweet 16. You could convince me they win the national title. Kansas, same thing. So, like, you go down the list. I think because there is so much parity this year, I would prefer the lower pick. Yeah, I think that makes sense, and I think you're right. I mean, yeah, you could get guy, you could get a guy that averages 20 a game or whatever, but, eh, yeah, I, I would probably lean lower as well, because I think there's also an interesting question of, and th- this would be like later in the draft, guys that you probably want, but like, why wouldn't you take a guy like from Oral Roberts who averages 20 a game? And what if they, you know... Yeah, if you take Max Acemas and they make the Sweet 16, that's what I'm saying. He plays three games, he could put up 90 points in the three games, and that could be more than, like, if KU plays four games and Jalen puts up 20 a game, you ended up with more. So, uh, because there's so many options to go with, yeah, I'd prefer one of the lower. Probably a little bit lower, yeah. Uh, This one from Mike. Why is Coach of the Year who performed above expectations while MVP, Player of the Year, Heisman, etc., are all best player on a top team, typically. In other words, why doesn't Bill Self have like 17 Coach of the Year awards? Dude, these are the questions that keep me up at night. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Okay? It's it's so dumb. It's like, I, I will push back a little bit on the MVP thing because I look at the NBA. I like This happens in the NBA. Where every single year, every year, every year, Everybody unanimously agrees LeBron James is the best player in the NBA. And yet he has, what, two MVPs? Three? I don't even know how many MVPs he has. He doesn't have that many. No. Right? Okay, and I think Mahomes is potentially on the cusp of being in that same conversation where literally every year, every year, everyone says, who's the best player in the league? Patrick Mahomes. But you can't give it to the you can't give it to the best guy every year. Why? Because humans are stupid and they just can't. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's stupid. It doesn't make any sense. Okay. So that's the answer, I guess. I don't know. When you're when you're when you're that good, when you're literally the best, people want to hand out participation awards to other people who suck but then had one good year. I don't know. I guess that's the answer. I don't know. I can't tell you. Yeah, um it's actually a really good point though that like for MVP, it's just yeah, it's it's like that with coach of the year. Yeah, like because if we, you're if you're again, we talked about this when we were talking about the Big 12 awards. If you're Bill Self, you weren't, you weren't picked to finish. You weren't picked to win the league this year. 
It's been unanimously agreed upon for the past three months that the Big 12 is the best conference maybe ever. And you just had it clinched with a game to spare. Yeah. And you didn't win. Well, so it, I, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. With I don't know. players, we get stats involved. With coaches, the only stat you have is win-loss. And so it's, it's a little harder to judge... You know, oh, this guy shot 45% from three this year. Like, there are some stats out there, but they're they're not publicly made available. A lot of them are subscription sites. Like, you could go to a Synergy and be like, well, Kansas is averaging this many points per game on out-of-timeout plays or on baseline out-of-bounds plays. But because that stuff is subscription-based and it's not, like, widely public, you can't really see, hey, which coach is doing the best job drawing plays up this year, right? You, you don't have that stuff. It's all just based on, well, we just think since... If a team doesn't have as good of talent as we think and they do well, that means it's all coaching. Versus if a team has good talent and they don't do well, we think it's bad coaching. That's like the only estimation we have. So uh, I don't think it's the right way to do it. I agree, but that's kind of just what it is, unfortunately. Uh, this one from JP. Yeah, I don't know. If Kansas has a one seed already clinched, doesn't it make more sense to just rest players this week? In a word, no. <laughs> Stealing from Bill's up. <laughs> Bill's up. Okay, but also... Yes, Kansas, we think, has a one seed clinched, but they can still get the number one overall seed. And we've had this discussion about the location, right? I mean, Kansas, I think, would like to play in the Midwest region and continue and play in Kansas City in the second weekend. So that that's certainly on the line, right? If, if you don't win against West Virginia or Texas Tech and Houston and Alabama both make runs in their in their tournaments, you're not going to be in Kansas City, mm-hmm. period. That's just not, not going to happen. So, I mean, you do. there is still plenty to play for. And obviously... You know Bill Self. He wants to win every time he plays. He doesn't care where you're playing, what what sport you're playing, whatever it is. He wants to win every time. So, sure, yes. Does it make sense to maybe rest some guys? Or like with the with the discussion around Kevin McCuller now dealing with back spasms. Like, would it make sense maybe to just hold him out? Maybe, sure. But if he's if he's able to go, he's gonna go, mm-hmm. and that's just how it's gonna be. And you still have, but like I said, you still have things to play for. You're still playing for a possibility of of getting that Midwest one seed, right? And being able to play basically pseudo home games in the second round. So or in the second weekend. So there's there's still plenty to play for, obviously. Yeah, I mean they just had five days off or, or they will by the time we get to Thursday's game. Last playing on on Saturday. Um I I think they're gonna be just fine. Uh I think Des Moines is a Thursday, Saturday, so even if you play in the Big 12 final game, you'd have five more days off in between, even if you had three games in three days. They played all three games last year, and they were fine. They won the NCAA And, and, and again, we've, I've, I've talked about this, where for some players, I think it's actually better if they just keep playing. Yeah. You maintain yeah. rhythm. You maintain your bodily rhythm. It'd be just, one thing if, if you had players who had like injuries that could that were could get worse. Yeah, you know, like, I guess like, the Kevin McCullough situation is something to keep yeah, an eye on, but... Yeah. That's you know, yeah, that's that's he's that's the one player. Everybody else, I think, should mm-hmm. be playing. This one from Clint. What's your favorite KU Big Twelve tournament memory, dude? I was thinking about this. It's got to be the Wayne Selden dunk, right? I mean, that Ochai dunk last year was a lot of fun too. Those are both great dunks, but the the Wayne one was was a lot of fun. Um, I'm trying to think what else would be up there. I have a specific memory of the 2018 Big Twelve tournament okay. of Frank Mason hit, hitting a four point play against TCU, and he actually had 29 points in the game. So that was a very memorable performance that I remember from Frank Mason. I think that would have been 2017. Yeah. Oh yeah, but TCU won the game. Yeah. So that kind of I don't know that, that I was can the game Josh that. Jackson was suspended for. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I can like claim that the door uh, of the car or something. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know if I can claim that as my favorite memory yeah. if KU lost. Uh, so I I remember so 2016. That would have been my last year at KU, and I remember I 
did the game for the KJHK, the, the student station at, at KU for the Big 12 championship. And that was the last game I called for the student station. So that that's a memory for me, like individually. Um, I think the 2018 tournament, the championship game against West Virginia, that's just a really fun memory. That was an unbelievable game. You had the breakout of Silvio de Sosa. Uh, Yudoka Azubuki was out for the game. It's just a fun back and forth game. That's just a fun memory of a, a of a fun game. Um, I and then I like. Uh, I I think there's some, there's almost some like bad memories too from like the COVID years that I just remember super succinctly. Like, you were literally on the bus headed over there to the the Big Twelve tournament in 2020, and yep. then it gets canceled because of COVID. Yeah, 2021, you you had to bow out because of COVID. Uh, but yeah, last year the Ochai one comes to mind. The Texas Tech game was a lot of fun. That one was a recent memory. But yep. yeah, I think the KU West Virginia, if you're just talking like a game, if you're talking a moment, Specific it's, it's Selden Dunk or Ochai. Probably Dunk. the Selden Dunk. Yeah. Last one from Brian. Uh, I'm always teasing my friends about the arrogance of KU fans, myself included. For example, I do not buy KU Sweet 16 shirts or Elite 8 shirts. I have friends that do not buy Big 12 tournament shirts. KU fans don't rush the floor. Is this arrogance or just very high standards? I think it's very high standards unless you openly like gloat about it. I think it's a little of both, to be completely honest. Um, I think it's high standards, but then if you like unprovoked go to other fan bases and yeah. be like, "Ho ho, I'm not gonna buy a shirt because oh, Kansas is always there." Now, now you're just kind of being a now you're just kind of being a, a loser. Right, point. right. If if you want to have high standards and you know, yeah, that's great. Not yeah. not buy a Sweet Sixteen shirt because you're like, ah, but we have so many Final Fours and other like. Cool, go for it. Like, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, the only I, I think I've only bought one Sweet Sixteen shirt ever, and it was that 2017 season with, with Frank Mason because that team was so fun. Um, I think that, yeah, you're right. If you, if you go up to somebody and and they're a fan of some other school and they have a Sweet Sixteen shirt, and you're like, ah, oh, what an idiot! Like, let him be. <laughs> now the NIT banner thing, like that, I'm fine if you want to be like all high and mighty about because that is weird. <laughs> But like, if you make a sweet season, like that's a really good season for a lot of schools. For yeah, you know, that's, so uh, yeah, that's a great season for most schools. Yeah, I, I do think it is a little bit of both. But I, I, I can't say that like you know, most people don't buy those things either because it, it just is what it is. But like, also, sports are supposed to be fun. Yeah. So if part of the but fun like, for you, you know, is buying the sweet sixteen shirt, like I, what you want to do? I bought myself a KU Liberty Bowl shirt for yeah, football. Boom. Hadn't been to a bowl game in fifteen years. Exactly. I bought that. No problem. Yeah, but I so think yeah, that's the other end of it. I think it's high standards unless you go out of your way to to be to yeah. be a, a clown about it. Yeah. All right, that's our KU mailbag. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Truck Sports Talk. We got some KU football audio. Then uh, we'll get into some Big Twelve tournament talk. This is RCST. Welcome back into Rock Truck Sports Talk on KLWN. <clears throat> With uh, Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. We are going to talk a little about more about KU basketball in the Big 12 tournament coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. Also, some KU basketball recruiting news. Marcus Adams committing to KU, so we'll discuss that coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. And we've got a little Rock Chalk Pick a Hawk coming at you as well. Talking a little more Big 12 tournament, though. Uh, Eddie Lampkin becomes the second, I would say, pretty pivotal player on a Big 12 team to basically be out now. Um, so last week, or maybe it was two weeks ago, the news of uh, Caleb Grill, who is the uh, sharpshooter for Iowa State, originally from Mays, Kansas, was stepping away from the program. And that was a big loss for them because they're a team that, you know, they play really good defense. But then they went out and beat Baylor yeah, by that's true. 15. <clears throat> yeah. But they had been struggling leading up to that Baylor game. Yeah. And now Eddie Lampkin, who is the mammoth of a big man, six foot 11, 262 pounds for TCU. He is 
stepping away from the program for personal matters. Yeah, and he's really been mired by, I think, various ailments kind of throughout the season, which has been kind of part of the reason why TCU, I think, has struggled with consistency. So uh, I think, but for TCU as a team, you could almost view that as a little bit of a positive of, like, okay, hey, they've had to play some games already without him, and they maybe kind of already have an idea of what type of offense slash defense they want to play when he's not available because they have had to play already some games without him because uh, he's been kind of in and out of the lineup for really the past, like, what, two months now, basically? Uh, I think really ever since the KU game. The KU game was when he first sort of had that injury uh, when they played KU at mm-hmm. in Lawrence. What did he, he was, it was like an ankle or rolled an ankle, yeah, yeah and then – and then he was kind of just in and out of the lineup from then on. So, so obviously disappointing for for TCU and for Andy Lampkin personally. But I, I again, I think for TCU, I guess sort of the 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 one positive for it is is hey, this is a team that has had to play games without him already this season, and maybe that allows them to be a little bit better equipped to to deal with a blow like that, and still maybe find some success in the Big Twelve tournament. But but yeah, I mean we've talked about it before. TCU when they're fully healthy we think is maybe one of the top teams in the Big 12 or in the entire country, but that that hasn't been the case really for a while mm-hmm. with Mike Miles and Lampkin both dealing with injuries. And now just another blow to the Horn Frogs. And uh, they're going to be a tournament team, obviously, but, I mean, if they go out without getting away, if, like if they lose to K-State, they're gonna are they going to be like an eight seed or a nine seed at that point? I, I don't know. Yeah, and it's, it's weird with Lampkin because you look at the stats, he's averaging 6.3 points, 5.9 rebounds per game. Like, it, they don't jump off the page. And recently, but he's, he, just, he's just a force. He is. He's just a force. He, he's somebody that you have to guard inside because, and a lot of times you have to double because of his size and it opens things up for other players. And he is somebody who has like go off games. Like against Kansas State, he had 17 and 6 in the game in Fort Worth. Against Baylor in the game in Waco, he had 15 points, 9 rebounds. Uh, against Providence earlier this year, he had 16 and 12. Like, uh, he, he has go off games. And that was the case for them last year in the NCAA tournament. Like, he was somebody who was inconsistent again last year, and he only had two points in the first-round game. But then they got to the second round, and they were going up against Christian Coloco, who ended up being a first-round draft pick. And Eddie Lampkin had 20 points and 14 rebounds. So it's the potential of having a guy that can go off while, like you said, being a force inside that you do have to at least respect as a defense. That is a very big loss for them. At the same time, I do think Xavier Cork is a very good fill-in for them. But now it no longer is, hey, you have Lampkin and Cork to combine for 40 minutes. It's you have Cork for maybe 2025, and then we don't know about the backup behind that. So that's a big loss for them. I'm feeling a lot worse about my my TCU Big 12 tournament uh, future. My guess would be for TCU though is you know we we know that they can be a successful team when they're out flying around and transition and stuff and I think with Lampkin out they just lean into that even even more mm-hmm. right they just lean into that even more and maybe that is still enough for them to to get a win against the K State and maybe put some pressure on a team like Texas even because when you think about it, like let's say they get through K State and they get to Texas it's not like Texas has a any real sizable big man they have Bishop right but it's not like he's a real dominant player. So the loss of Lampkin in a game like that maybe wouldn't even be that significant because they're playing a team that doesn't really wouldn't really have anybody that they'd have to worry about anyways. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. So I I don't know I I think they could be fine, but there's another part of me that goes, eh, this is I don't know, really man. I, I also think that TCU is the team where for the last like two months we've been like, oh TCU might do something, TCU might do something, and then they just. They just don't. They fizzle so out. So maybe they just actually suck. I don't know. Okay. Uh, well, we get the Big 12 play-in games tonight. That starts off West West Virginia Tech and Oklahoma State, Oklahoma. Uh, 
I guess the general intrigue in this one, obviously the the West Virginia Tech one has intrigue in terms of who's Kansas is going to be playing. Yeah. For the Oklahoma State Oklahoma game, that's a very important game for Oklahoma State. If yeah, they lose I mean, that game, they're not making the tournament. Yeah. I mean, if they win, I don't know if they're making the tournament. Like they really yeah. need to probably win two games uh, to make the tournament. So what well, that would mean that would mean beating Texas. So yes, they are in a backs against the wall type situation, and uh, Oklahoma. They're the 10 seed, right? They're the 10 seed. And they're a team that I don't know if in the preseason people thought they were going to be a little better, but they just, uh, I don't know, just, I don't know. But they've had some games where it's come together for them, right? And maybe if they can capture that magic. The, you know, when we always talk about how, well, you know, in the Big 12 tournament, you got to play three, four games in a row. Well, for certain types of teams, I think that could be a positive if they if they capture that lightning in a bottle on the, in the first game, day one. And then they just keep it going, right? You just you're just playing basically like on borrowed time almost, where you don't even realize how much you played. You're just you're just going because you're in such a rhythm. Could a team like Oklahoma capture that? I don't know, maybe. I mean, but uh, it's tough. I don't know, but I do. Obviously, the West Virginia Texas Tech game is is of more interest just because of what it means for Kansas. And uh, I mean, I think you'd rather play Texas Tech if you're Kansas, but could go either way. Yeah, I, I expect West Virginia to win. I honestly have no idea because with Oklahoma, they are such a wild card. I don't I don't really know what to expect in, in that other game. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's the same kind of situation for West Virginia as Oklahoma State. I think they they might be in a, a better spot than Oklahoma State, to be honest. But uh, they're in a spot where if they lose, like they might not make the tournament. Whereas if they win, they're feeling a lot better. Now, I do think yeah. with West Virginia, it's if they win, they're for sure in, is how I view it. With Oklahoma State, like you said, they might still have to win one more. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, if you're just looking at it that way, and the teams that have the motivation for that reason, Texas Tech is without Mark Adams. Do we do a? You could do a a, a parlay. I wonder what this would pay out. Okay. Parlay on to win by one to ten, West Virginia and Oklahoma State. I bet you that pays out around five to one, six to one. Probably, yeah. And I'm gonna it do that tonight. Be too bad. You're gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. You're gonna go for it. Locking in. I kind of I almost forgot that Texas Tech is not gonna have Mark Adams. So is he only out for this first game? Like, if they win, would he be back? To no, he's out Kansas? for the entire Big 12 tournament. Okay. Yeah, I kind of forgot about that, actually. Yeah. Now, you never know sometimes with those. Like, for instance, Rodney Terry took over for Texas, and he's done an, an excellent job, right? Yeah, but Texas is, is like, a talented team. They are. Um, But what if it's like a, you know, you never really know with the coaches. Like, some guys... And I'm not saying this is, like, is true about Mark do Adams. Like, I don't know this for sure. Let's right. do it for coach. There are other teams where the players are like, nah, like, <laughs> let's unify now. Like, screw that guy. Let's, You know what I mean? Like, let's use this as a, a backs-against-the-wall opportunity. And if that's the case, then it could be a good thing. So it's one, it's one of those weird things where you don't actually know what the impact's going to be. You could convince yourself it's going to be very bad. You can convince yourself it could be a good thing for a team that has mostly struggled for this season. Um, but yeah, I I do kind of expect both those to win. So if I do West Virginia by one to ten, that's plus one seventy two, okay, odds wise on its own. And then let's see, wow, Oklahoma State and Oklahoma is basically a pick 'em. Um, so if we do Oklahoma State by one to ten, it's plus one ninety eight. We parlay them together, it is plus seven ten. Let's that's, roll, baby. That's pretty good. All right, that's, that's my good. play for the night. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Marcus Adams committed to KU last night. We'll discuss next in a little Rock Chalk Pickahawk. This is RCST on KLWN, depending on it. Five o'clock hour, this is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. 
We uh, won't really have a show tomorrow. I mean, we might have like 10, 15 minutes after postgame ends, but we're going to be airing the KU game here on KLWN on uh, tomorrow. So we'll be doing Rock Chalk Pick a Hawk here in this segment. Uh, before we get to that, some news around KU. We'll get to the Allen Fieldhouse renovation stuff in a second here. Marcus Adams Jr. has committed to KU. Chose KU last night. He is a 6'8", 200-pound small forward from Narbonne High School uh, out of uh Southern California area. Okay, yeah. It, yeah. It's <laughs> uh, I think that might Well, the way you said it, it, it the way you said it it was like, "Oh yeah, of course. How do you not know where that is?" Well, I'm I might have for me, I obviously know where that Anyway, doesn't matter. Um <laughs> so he's from California and Southern California and uh UCLA was one of the other teams that was really in on him and he decided not to play super nearby home. He's a class 2024 recruit. Now, he's only ranked 157th on the 247 composite, but that's because some of the other sites have him listed a little further down. 24-7 Sports, which is a, uh, has evaluated him in some of his recent games, has him ranked 29th. He is uh, the number 11 small forward. He's a four-star recruit, which it seems like they've kind of evaluated him most lately. Now, this is kind of a big swing prospect. I'll get to that in a second here. Um, but Interesting for a couple of reasons. So one, he, as the story goes, there's a good piece, Kansas City Star from uh, Shreyas Lada last night after the commitment. He was going to pick UCLA. And basically yesterday, Bill Self called and made him a priority and said, hey, we want you here. And I don't know if that was a situation like we, we heard a lot from Jalen Wilson during senior week or senior day week, I guess. Um, <laughs> senior day yeah, week, right? huh? That... You know, when when originally he committed to Michigan and then decommitted and, and ended up coming to Kansas after uh, John Beeline went to the NBA, uh, to the Cleveland Cavaliers, that from KU, like what went wrong? Well, basically, it wasn't that KU didn't like him. It's that they were keeping their options open and they were they wanted to further evaluate Jalen and they wanted to further evaluate some of the other recruits so that they could once they got to a later point in the year, be like, no, this is the one that we specifically want for priority number one. And that might have ended up being Jalen anyway. But because they wanted to wait longer in a school like Kansas, sometimes you can afford to do that. Jalen wanted to commit earlier, and he said, well, then if that's the case, then I'm going to Michigan. And I wonder if this was going to be the same situation because that was kind of a last-minute play by Bill Self. And I wonder how much, if that had anything to do with it, of him going, you know, this happened with Jalen Let's not repeat that same thing. Let's just go after him and get him now. I, I don't know if it did or not, but I I, well, I, I wonder if you I, just connect the dots. I think it was uh, Michael Swain also who pointed out that there is the possibility that he could reclassify yes. into 2023. Yeah, so that's uh, his original is, class. Yeah. So he actually is a, a senior in high school right now, but his original plan was to go to a prep school for a year. So if, if Kansas tells him, hey, we want you for next season, then he can reclassify and join the team. Which yeah. that, that'll be quite the decision for KU because on one hand, they might view it as, hey, Jalen Wilson's gone after this year. And I think when you look at Marcus Adams, he's a 6'8 recruit. He has a very high potential. Uh, Eric Bossy wrote a story for 24-7 Sports talking about how he has an insanely high potential. He can score it from pretty much all three levels. He can play multiple frontline spots, and he has long-term upside. He had a 50-point, 20-rebound game in high school. But the problem is that he didn't. He hasn't really been playing on like the top-notch, like, uh, AAU circuits and, and at the high school level where you think he's really good and he has all this talent, but because of the competition, you don't fully know. So KU could view it as because of that, go play your prep school, get another year ready, and then you'll come in so that we don't have to worry about you coming to KU yet. 
and you being disgruntled with a lack of playing time if you're not ready. Or KU could go, hey, we're losing Jalen Wilson. You're a natural fit to play the four with what we want to do at six foot eight and at the wing position. Yeah. We're going to have you come in and you're going to compete for minutes right away. Now, whether KJ moves to the four, stays at the five, could exactly. impact I mean, the amount of say, minutes. Let, let's say you, let's say Ernest is your starting yeah. five and KJ's your four. Could Marcus Adams be a, a viable backup four at that point yeah. behind KJ? And then by the time he gets to 2025, KJ Adams departs. Like maybe he's the starter. Um, it's also possible. What if he comes in and, and he has to redshirt a year? Like there are all sorts of possibilities that you could go with here because this is such a a wide gap of of what he could be with KU. And I think that's what it is. This is kind of a, a swing for the fences. It's a play that okay, maybe it doesn't work out. Like oh, what if he ends up coming to KU? He reclassifies 2023. And he's not ready. And so they have to redshirt him after year one. And then after year one, he's now headed into his redshirt freshman year. And K.J. Adams is still back for his senior year. And he's getting a lot more playing time than him. And then he's unhappy, so he transfers out. Sometimes that just happens. You have to to be able to you know take some of those swings. Um, yeah. But the flip side is, what if he hits? What if he hits and you have a viable replacement for Jalen Wilson and to be your future foreman? I mean, then yeah. that's worth it, yeah. right? And yeah. in today's day and age where... The transfer portal is so rampant, it's it's almost there's almost less risk to doing something like this, right? Because yeah. if a player doesn't work out, you basically tell them to transfer and you bring a new player in. Yeah, another thing from this commitment that really stood out to me was the NIL talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it really seems like yeah, Kansas, he mentioned that. Yeah, exactly. He mentioned that in his interview after he committed, and it it there's more and more evidence that would make it seem as though Kansas is really really on the ball with NIL. They really, really seem to have a good grasp of how they want to utilize it at this university, right? And I don't think that's the case for a lot of other top-tier schools around the country. I think there are still some schools out there that are trying to get a handle of how they want to utilize it, whereas Kansas, I think, has really done as good a job, if not one of the better jobs in the whole country, of implementing a strategy for what they want to do with NIL and applying it very quickly. And I think that's very appealing to to a lot of guys. I mean, look at a guy like Grady Dick who comes in as a freshman and he's he's done very, very well with NIL. And obviously, uh, I think another aspect of it is Kansas has done a great job of, of, instead of using NIL to promote only their superstars, I think they've done a really good job of encompassing mm-hmm. all of you know basketball, volleyball, women's basketball, all the different sports. And I think that could be appealing. Now, for, for Mark Sabbath specifically, he's probably more just looking at the men's side of things. But still... That that clearly has I think it clearly had an impact on his decision, right? Mm-hmm. And if and if that's the future of recruiting, then I think Kansas is in a very, very good spot with yeah. that. Well, when you look at the the three recruits they have committed for twenty twenty three, none of them really profile into being that four man. So you bring this guy on, and, and he's the natural replacement you look forward to moving forward. Uh, he also has a younger brother who's apparently really good, so if it works out at Kansas, maybe he ends up here. Now, he did say in, in one of the articles that he plans on being a one-and-done. I know most high school freshmen end up saying that, and then they end up saying longer. I mean, There's no shame in that. But I mean, isn't that just, like, that's just what you have to say, right? Yeah, I, I like, guess. Oh, I'm good enough to go to the NBA. I guess, yeah, you'd rather have that confidence than not, but I mean... It's it's a hard playing path to, to being that guy unless you're like a top 10 recruit or something. But yeah. I don't know. Uh, I, I do think, like I said, you'd rather have that mentality than come in and be like, oh, man, I don't think I'm very good, right? Um, <laughs> so I guess that is a good thing. I, I also think it's interesting that, I mean, with both Chris Johnson and Marcus Adams, both have been noted in kind of their scouting reports as being guys who maybe can get down a little bit when things aren't going well. Um, but they're like ultra competitive and sometimes that can come across in a negative way to people when like some people view it as like, oh, you're just being a bad teammate, but others view it as you're just ultra competitive. 
I, I think that's a, a trait Bill Self likes because they'd rather they'd rather be like, well, I'd rather rein you in than have to start you up. Yeah, and Bill Self has said that exactly yep. what you just said. He has said that multiple times over the years of I'd rather have to try to calm the guys down than try to rile them up, right? So that I, I 100% agree with that. Yep. So basically very high ceiling prospect that you're bringing in. We don't know if it'll be 2023 or 2024, but uh, certainly an interesting player to to watch and, and a big-time commitment for uh, KU basketball. There's some Allen Fieldhouse news. Renovations are going to be had on Allen Fieldhouse. We kind of knew that uh, as of, I don't know, maybe a month ago, but we didn't know what yeah. they were going to be doing. Well, yeah. today they announced what they're going to be doing. <laughs> um, it's it's nothing like crazy, which I no, think— No, it's really not. I think most people are actually going to appreciate that it's nothing crazy because most people are like, please don't just like overhaul the Fieldhouse. Yeah, yeah. No, I, th- I think it's going to be really, really good overall. I mean— New video board, new sound system. Uh, it sounds like they're going to be doing. I, I don't. So the wording of it is like enhancing seating opportunities, which yeah. I'm not really a hundred percent sure what that means. Then it, they talk about adding more chairbacks, but the in, the quote unquote enhancing seating opportunities. I'm not really. Yeah, the exact <laughs> bullet point here it says enhanced seating opportunities to include additional chairbacks and accessible seating. Does that mean there's going to be more? seats with the chair backs like there is in the middle of yeah, of both sides yeah or does it mean that they're going to like for football where you can if you buy season tickets for football you can opt in to get like a chair back um does that yeah. mean they're gonna have like opt-ins for chair i don't know yeah so i'm i'm a bit i'm i'm not 100 clear on what exactly that is but you know i think all that stuff is going to be great for the fans you know the How about the uh, jayhawk the board the jayhawk pub i think is is a cool idea and, and also what i mean what's the one thing also that allen fieldhouse you think is kind of lacking some some a variety of food options. Yeah. Which it sounds like they're going to be adding in a lot of that stuff too. And then there's also some stuff for the donors and and they're going to be uh, also doing I think some different stuff with the booth hall of athletics where it's like where it's like uh, you know you go in and it's like the whole fan experience thing. So yeah, I think it, I think it sounds great. It's it's mostly modest I think and and I think a lot of fans are going to be pleased with the lack of sort of doing too much I think with the historical aspect of and the traditional aspect of the field house so I don't have any problem with it I will say this though more chair backs is bad <laughs> because those people aren't going to stand up we got to you know we got to keep mm. Allen we got to keep Allen Fieldhouse as the loudest as the loudest arena in the, in the world so right and if you have more sales if you have more chair backs those people are not going to get out of their seats I don't know if this is an unpopular opinion but I as, as someone who's only sat on the chair backs like in, in very limited um times i guess okay i don't think they're that comfortable aren't they weren't they like hardwood yeah it's like now like i'd almost rather not sit on a chair back so i don't know i guess i'm, I'm with you uh eliminate all chair backs all right we got to get to uh rock chalk pick a hawk for tomorrow's game we don't know who they're going to be playing ku or texas tech so i i here's my or not ku uh texas tech or west virginia um here's my uh recommendation for what we do okay because we obviously have the rule where you take one player from the opposing big 12 team yes. we could just do away with that or, basically, if you take one player from the other team, you you basically are taking one from each. So you would take like if you want a West. Yeah, Virginia, why, why don't we just you would do say like, Eric Stevenson slash Kevin O'Banner. Yeah, that's what right? I think we should do. Yeah, and whichever say, one we play, just you say get the one. and or, and that's the yeah. one you get. Okay, yeah, so we'll do that. That's fine. All right, so are we're we doing, wait, are we doing five or are we doing six? I thought we said we we're doing five. Okay, time. five. Yeah, yeah. Um, now the question I have: What is the value on this? Are we counting this to the regular season standings? Is this just? I I, I don't know. Well, what is the purpose? Because of this? we finished the regular season tied. I mean, we have to find a way to to break the tie. Break the tie? Right? Okay. Or 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 if we just say, you know what, we were tied in the regular season, now we're just going to do the postseason separately, and then whoever wins the postseason is like the true winner. 
I think it's like that. The regular okay. season, we shared the conference title. Okay. You know? Sure. Yeah. I'm fine with that. Okay. I think that just puts more pressure on the postseason. Well, I don't know. Why don't we just separate them all out? You know, we could. I mean, I, I guess it doesn't matter how we do it because if you win the postseason, you will have won regardless. Right. Because we're tied. Yeah, I guess it, it really doesn't matter. All right, whatever. <laughs> that was pointless. Uh, I have the first pick. Okay. I'm going to take Jalen Wilson. Hmm. He's started to figure it back out again. He's scoring like 20 points again. Interesting. And 10 rebounds. It's good. All right, I'm going to take. I'm going to take Dewan Harris. Okay. And hmm, I'll take Kevin McCuller. Kevin McCuller. Has Big 12 tournament experience. You know what's yeah. fun? What's that? Uh, KU's obviously had a lot of like struggles in the Sprint Center in those like non-con Sprint Center games that they play in December. They have. But they didn't do one this year. True, yeah. So this is their first time playing there this year. Also, it's not the Sprint Center. Ah, oh, T-Mobile. Whatever. <laughs> Everybody knows. Do you, do you think, the OGs know. Do you think there are people that like on broadcast or whatever will yes. accidentally call it the Sprint Center? 100%. Because I just did, and this is a broadcast. Yeah, you, did. and you, didn't, you didn't even know. <laughs> no. If I hadn't said anything, you would have just kept right on going. Okay, so I have two picks. Uh, we'll go with Grady Dick. Gets out of his funk. Yeah, I mean, I was nervous about picking him. That's why I didn't pick him, but I he could go off. Yeah, and then I'm going to go with KJ Adams. Okay. I will go with Ernest. And then... Okay, <laughs> I don't really want to take Bobby or Joe. All right, I'm gonna do my I'm gonna do my Andor Big Twelve here. Okay, I want Eric Stevenson or is Pop Pop Isaacs is back, right? He's playing. yes, he is or Pop Isaacs. Those okay, are my picks. you think he's built for the Big Twelve tournament? Yeah. All right, so I'm gonna take my Andor here. Are you um, sure you don't want to take Joe? I'm pretty sure, yeah. Like positive. I'm very positive. Although hypothetically, no. <laughs> uh, man. So I, for West Virginia, am between, I guess, Kedrian Johnson. Yeah, I'll go Kedrian Johnson for the West Virginia side if they make it through. And then if it's Texas Tech, I will take Kevin O'Banner. No, actually, no. I'm going to take Fardaz Amac. Dude, What? Fardaz Amac. Dude, he had 18 rebounds last time he played KU. That's true. That's true. So, Kedrian Johnson or Fardaz Amac. And then now we each have one more pick. Bobby Pettiford has been in the negative for, I think, three straight games. Joey Asifu has been in the negative for, I think, three straight games. At least two two games, yeah. I am veering away from it. Michael Jankovic. <laughs> Probably get me zero, but if he gets me something, then it's because he came in late and splashed a three. So, perfect. I'm going to roll with Joe, man. Okay. You know, I'm, I'm going to roll with him. Good luck. I have if I lose because he gets negative, I'm going to be upset. I've lost faith in the bench. All right, he is. I, I actually, I, you know, you don't, uh, you don't have a single bench player. I mean, besides uh, Jankovic. Uh, the comment that Bill Self made at the beginning of the season about Jankovic could be like your ninth guy. I have circled around that and be like, hey, uh, you circled the wagons can, on that one. Can, can we come back to this? Can we? Can we try this? Get somebody who can hit some shots off the bench. Like maybe it hurts the defense a little bit, but <laughs> come on. Need some bench scoring. I mean, is Michael Jankovic isn't he just a a a shorter, worse defender version of Grady Dick? <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> or he's so get him out there. Yeah, dude. If you could combine Joe Yesifu and Michael Jankovic, you'd have a hell of a player. You have the best player of all time. A great athlete, three point shooter. Yep. 
Joe can play a little defense. Anyway, he's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We've got some uh, Grady Dick, KJ Adams audio. We'll get to that next. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it.